Welcome back to the hum and the holler and to our new adventure through the fables of 2022's calendar, Beloved Stranger. So you can read these fables on our website. We publish them on the first of every month. And we also read them aloud on this podcast and then talk a bit about what's coming up in this part of the story. These fables are appropriate for all ages, the ones you read on the website, but these podcasts may not be. We swear, we talk about some adult things, so you might just want to screen this before sharing it with any youngster. Totally. And a reminder that we are inviting stories from you to be a part of this process. So if you're interested in having us hear about your story and or have your voice be a part of this project, go to abacuscorvus.com backslash podcast and you can read about the details there and also follow a link to send us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. You can also check out The Hum on the same feed. That's our bonus monthly astrology podcast. So look for the next one on March 1st in time for the Pisces new moon on March 2nd. We're so glad you're joining this ongoing conversation. We are Abacus Corvus. I am Joe, and I am alive in the hills of Madison County in western North Carolina on stolen Cherokee land. You're alive. I like that. I am alive here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are living. Uh, I'm Karina. We are living here. I, too, am alive, and I am on Lenny Lenape land, also known as Philadelphia. And before we begin, we just want to throw a huge thanks and shout out to our Patreon supporters. We're incredibly grateful for you. Joe. Yes. We're in chapter two this month. I know. Do you want to take it away? Do you want to read it for us? I do. Here we go. The rain had stopped when Crow left her nest to go looking for the swifts. They were talkative birds and always had an opinion about what was happening, what had happened, what might happen. She found them whirling high in the sky, dancing between evaporating clouds and patches of sunlight. Crow perched awkwardly on the highest branch of the tallest tree, hoping to catch their attention. But soon her attention got lost watching their dance. They swooped, banked, circled, darted, plummeted, and soared. They were many, and they were one. And then they spotted her. Crow! called one swift. Crow! 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 The others picked up the call. The others picked up the call. Most of the small birds whirled high, but a few swooped lower to investigate. Swift friends, called Crow. I bring important news. Her loud voice startled even the curious swifts who had flown down close, but they quickly settled in nearby trees. Tell us! Tell us! They chirped in a chorus. Crow bobbed up and down as she spoke. Last night I had a disturbing dream. The mountain grew up through the forest, uprooting our homes. The noise was terrible. And then when I woke, there was a giant rock in my nest. She flapped her wings for emphasis, and a few swifts rose nervously and then landed again. This rock was far too big for any of us to carry and drop. Have you had any strange dreams? Have you heard any news that could help me understand this mystery? All at once, the swifts began chattering. Silly crow, the mountain is far from here. What's a dream? Rocks can't fly. Rocks are just eggs that don't know how to hatch. I know one bird that can carry heavy rocks, and she lives near the mountain. Shh! Owl? Owl? Oh, no! Oh, no! Owl? Owl? Oh, no! 
All the other swifts picked up the cry and began to fly away. But the one perched nearest to Crow stopped them. False alarm! And then again, the other swifts picked up the call. False alarm! False alarm! We're okay! False alarm! In a quieter voice, the first swift continued. Maybe you've angered the owl that lives on the high cliffs of the mountain. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! chattered the nearby swifts, nervously circling and landing. No good comes from the mountain. Fly away! Stay in the forest! Crow was alarmed to learn that an owl might be involved. There was an ancient grievance between her people and the owls. How dare they drop giant rocks into her safe, warm nest? The more Crow thought about the owls, the angrier she got. You can never trust an owl, she muttered to herself. For one thing, they creep so silently. One could be right behind you and you'd never know it. And they hunt at night when all good birds should be asleep. And they speak in a language no crow can understand, so they can't be very smart. And they don't have any friends at all. No one to introduce them, no one to explain proper forest etiquette. Crow was determined. Thank you, friend Swifts, she called. I know what I must do. And she flew off to find her family and come with a plan. And she flew off to find her family and come up with a plan to protect themselves from these menacing rock-dropping owls. Oh no, oh no, some Swifts kept calling, but others could be heard among them. But what is a dream? Watch out for the mountain. Stay in the forest. Keep your eggs unhatched. Keep pushing the wheel. Push the wheel. We've got to keep pushing the wheel. And with that, the swifts rose up all together, higher and higher, circling against the sky. Crow turned to watch them and saw a perfectly round rainbow at the center of their dance. But when she moved her head, it disappeared. Oh, how she wished everything that troubled her would vanish so easily. So, my friend, after reading this part of the fable, chapter two, what strikes you most? What what part of the story sticks out to you? Hmm. I think the part that's most vivid in my imagination after reading it, maybe even during reading it, is I have a sense of the Swifts as uh, young somehow. Like they remind me of children in a way. And, and so I'm, I'm most aware of this idea or just this feeling of like not knowing what's going on. The crow doesn't know what's going on. And so she goes and finds some neighbors, but it sounds to me like she's, she's trying to get advice from children. And there's uneasiness there. I'm struck by the theme for this particular story. So we, we wrote the fables and then we highlighted themes to pick apart, discuss for you to talk about with us. If you send us a message and the theme for this month is the absence of elders, which was a phrase that, that you brought to us, Joe. And I'm, I'm curious what that Mm -hmm. means to you specifically. What would elders do in this situation that would be different? And what do we even mean when we're talking about an elder here? Right. So my sense of the crow going and getting advice from children is in a way directly related to this idea of there being an absence of elders. And 
I'm pausing a little bit with that question because the absence of elders was one of those things that came out of a sort of nonverbal vibey association that I had about this. And so I'm interested to develop that idea right here in the podcast, but I think I'm developing it in real time. In my imagination, elders, whoever they are, however old they are, elders would attune to the anxiety or the confusion or the fear in the crow and respond to that more than the content and and actually not be just sort of catch the anxiety as young people might do. My young people would absorb the idea, absorb the anxiety, absorb this mystery and just generate it and make it recursive and make it bigger and have it swirl around in the sky. And elders would, would contain and contextualize and soothe and be slower, be slower and more careful, more aware. What about you, Karina? When you, when you heard that story just now, or when you read it, what sticks out to you the most? I think I think a similar theme, but the way that I've been phrasing it to myself is this leap from curiosity to suspicion. Where in the last chapter, in chapter one, we see Crow very nervous about this mysterious change in her life conditions, and she's going to find information and she wants to make sense of things. And so there is, there's some fear, but there's also curiosity of maybe someone else knows more about this than I do. And throughout the course of this chapter, she begins very clearly saying, Hey, can can you help me? I, I had a dream. I found this thing. Can you help me understand this mystery? And the response is, is as you really beautifully wrote, this, this very sort of young, anxious, swirling, um, generating more things to be anxious mm-hmm. of, right? The, the owls, or the, I'm sorry, the swifts are the ones who are like, this is probably owl, and spook each other even more. Mm-hmm. I, also, I really love how they got spooked by crow at the beginning, just because <laughs> crows are loud. <laughs> totally. So, but the fact that crow at the end of this believes that she has heard wise counsel, that that there is this sort of swirling, anxious process that I, I find really familiar from times in my life when I've been having a panic attack or in, in crisis in some way, where my mind sounds like this conversation of the swifts and the crow. Mm-hmm. It also... It also reminds me of social media. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And so... That that opening into what does this does this mean immediately shifting into I I know what this means and it's the worst case scenario is what strikes me about this mm-hmm. which then opens up mm-hmm. this feeling of I have to do something about this without really even being sure you know what that this is right I need to have yeah. the right answer and then I need to act on it and there isn't there's this urgency so there isn't time to keep gathering data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you're saying that, I'm thinking or feeling this strong relationship between urgency and like when we're urgent, it's like we know, it's like we think we know what we have to do. 
reviewing that in my own experience, reviewing that in terms of people that I talk to when they're in an urgent state. And I really think that there is not a lot of certainty when we're feeling urgent, but it's this false certainty that I think gets, gets, that we get landed on from that cloud of anxiety. I need to know something. So I'm going to come up with a certainty. Oh, I need to do this. And then there's this urgency, just kind of tracking that trail pretty clearly in this. Karina, I believe we did this last time. And I think we want to make it a pattern of doing it with each chapter because we enjoyed it. I want to ask you if you put yourself into Crow's position in this chapter, put yourself into Crow's body, into Crow's place, what do you notice? What do you notice yourself thinking, feeling, associating to? Yeah. So the first thing that I notice is that I'm really high up on this branch. There is this intense somatic feeling of ungroundedness. Mm-hmm. I am not where I am home. I am not connected to stability or rootedness. I am, I am out on a limb, as they say. <laughs> And as I am in this space, I'm, I'm looking up at this dizzying dance. I'm looking up at a circular rainbow. I'm, I'm looking into this cacophony of movement and voices, almost as though I'm trying to get something from an oracle. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's this feeling of I need to leave my own intuition behind. I need to leave my sense of safety behind. And for some reason, I've decided these are the the guys I need to talk to, (laughs) right? This this is where the wisdom comes from, is this whirling, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 sort of um, constantly shifting voices and flickering illusions of light and water, right? Mm -hmm. As an astrologer, this feels strongly Neptunian to me. This feels like a um, an opening to the chaotic vibes of the collective, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I think in this moment in particular, we all know what that feels like. Everybody who has empathic resonance with this world is is catching this, is is hearing the circling of the swifts and the intense anxiety and and um, the quickness and the urgency to have a story. Totally. So. Totally. That's, that's where I find myself when I put myself into Crow's position. Beautiful. How about you, Beautiful. When I put myself in Crow's position, mm-hmm. let's see. Okay, this is interesting. When I close my eyes and put myself in the Crow's position, all I can see is that lichen-covered rock from January. <laughs> <laughs> and... Where I go with that, the feeling that I have is almost like um, like as the crow in this chapter, I have brought i've I tried to bring this problem to my neighbors, to these swift friends. I tried to bring this problem up, but but they haven't seen the rock. they didn't see the rock. I have this rock like. It's in my mind. I can see it. It's in my nest. But I don't I don't know that I'm conveying the actual mystery. 
I'm like, give me an answer. I'm not like, look at this mystery. I'm like, give me the answer. But so it's, mm-hmm. I think what I'm sensing is a bit of a disconnect internally as the crow mm-hmm. between the thing that's actually scaring me and the thing that sort of burned vividly in the back of my mind. And mm-hmm. then this actual, it's like, it's like, I don't know how to, I actually don't maybe know how to ask for help. I don't know mm-hmm. that I actually have the language that would translate the feeling that I'm having that I need help with to the people that I'm trying to get help from. <laughs> you know? This brings me back to what you were saying about elders and attunement, because mm-hmm. it is the role of the elder to attune to the scared child who doesn't have language. That's exactly it. And doesn't it. know how to meet their needs. Yeah. So as the scared child without the elder, right? Mm-hmm. If I put myself in that position, I feel um, a kind, kind of like the absence of a bridge and maybe even the pressure to be the one to make the bridge, but I, but I can't. So here we are having heard the story talked about the most vivid parts of the story, put ourselves into the crow's place in this chapter. And what's left for me in this process for this podcast is really wondering, like, Karina, where do you, where do you have a feeling like this is going by the end of this chapter? Like, where do you, what's next? What's the next chapter? What's the next part of the story? what's actually next that I know is coming or what do I feel like is coming? Like just as a reader along with everyone else. As a reader along with everybody else, we're not going to tell people what's coming. <laughs> they have to wait until, right? So what is the feeling we're what, left with about what's the feeling you're what's left happening with? next? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think those last few lines were a little ominous, honestly, not, not the final paragraph. I'm sorry. I'm going back and reading. But the, I know what I must do, and she flew off to find her family and come up with a plan to protect themselves from the menacing rock-dropping owls. I mean, there's there's such a quick leap from curiosity to suspicion to plan of action, and Mm -hmm. specifically a plan of action that names an enemy, and that enemy Mm -hmm. is not at all humanized, Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I know we're talking about animals, we're talking about fables, but let's let's use the word humanized personhood. In this context. You know the yeah, idea of personhood exactly. that applies exactly. beyond. And I think it's indicative of that state of mind that when you're freaked out, you look for an enemy. If you feel threatened, you want to know who to protect yourself from. Self protection is an incredibly innate. <laughs> instinct right like for sure protection is and it's it's not um it's not always clear when we cross the line from i'm just doing what's in my my best interest and and i have to to i'm actively causing harm and i'm going beyond what Mm -hmm. i need to do to be safe in this world and i Mm -hmm. you know i mean we're gonna talk about racism and politics on this podcast a fair bit. We already have last year. It's going to come up a lot uh, over the course of this year. But this particularly strikes me as the same frame of mind that we see in people who have really internalized white supremacy and are living 
with this sense of threat at, you know, like, like this multicultural mm-hmm. mob is going to come after me and I need to have guns to protect myself from them. And that threat is not real. And we know it's not real. Right. Mm-hmm. We actually know that white supremacy is the threat to more people. That's right. Right. That's right. And so part of what I think we're trying to work with through, through the mode of storytelling is trying to understand what does it feel like to be in that position? Because we've all mm-hmm. been in that position in various totally. times in our lives where we think we're under threat and we want to protect ourselves. And in that moment, it's easy to not see whoever we're encountering or imagining as fully a person as we are. So when I think about where we're going next, oof. <laughs> It's uncomfortable, right? A little little uncomfortable. Uh Yeah. Uh How about you, Joe? Similar. Yeah, for sure. I can vibe with everything that you just said. And I think that what I would add to it is that I'm still, I'm still orbiting around these sort of different orders of, of scale of, of what's happening here of like, the dream I had within my own psyche, the rock that was in my nest, the swifts mm-hmm. that are out in this order. And it's, so I'm, 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 I'm understanding what's next as I'm going to continue to move away from the source of what this actually is. I'm going to let this problem grow into an even bigger problem. Well, that was lovely. Thank you, Karina. It's very nice. It's very nice to have another podcast experience with you. Thank you to everybody for coming along the Fable Ride this year. To close, we want to let you know a few things. First of all, we have a precious handful of 2022 calendars returned to us, far fewer than we had returned to us last year. So they're coming back from a distributor out west. They are on the Etsy store. We're going to have them in a week to be able to ship out, and I think they're probably going to go fast. So... If you didn't get one, now's the time. Also, I have an article that I'm posting on my Patreon. My personal Patreon is Karina Dross, uh, patreon.com slash Karina Dross. But I'm also going to put this one up on the Abacus Corvus one that you should be able to find from our website. We'll put it in the show notes. Short story is the astrology of these times are wild, especially if you are in the United States or are in a country that is all affected by the United States. You know, so most of the world. And I've got some thoughts about it. So you can check that out on either one of our Patreons. And we have begun production and collaboration and visioning and painting and drawing and uh, all the good things for our 2023 calendar. You may be happy to hear that it is going to be another calendar of spells. But not small spells. Bigger spells this time. That's all we can say, though. It's going to be a calendar of very, very big Shh, spells. We can't say how big, though. It will still fit on your oh, wall. Oh, I'm sorry. They're just going to be bigger. It'll still fit on. Yeah. Okay, good. So, Joe, we usually end with me asking you a question, but I don't even know what questions we ask for this podcast yet. Do we have an outro question for this? How about, uh, have you ever even seen a circle rainbow? Mm-hmm.